Good morning, everyone. So today we are, the sermon is about the transfiguration of Jesus Christ. And this is something that happened about six months before the crucifixion. And it refers to a very brief time. We don't know how long. Was it 10 minutes? Was it half an hour? But a, a brief time where Jesus transfigured himself. Perhaps in today's lingo, we might say he shape-shifted. In the Greek, it is the term metamorphosis. That's the, that's the Greek word that we translate transfiguration. A metamorphosis means undergoing a change in form, quite literally. And for 33 years, Jesus had lived on this earth, and he'd appeared as, as a normal person. Philippians 2 describes the incarnation, how Christ, in order to become a man, he laid aside his majesty. He emptied himself. He became nothing. He became a, a, a mere man. But yet here on the mountain, for a brief time, the real Jesus could be seen. And uh, there are just three others up there with him, Peter, James, and John, looking on. Let's read the account from Mark's gospel, beginning in verse 1. And he said to them, I tell you the truth, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God come with power. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before him Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it's good for us to be here. Let's put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. They were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and enveloped them, enveloped them, and a voice came from the cloud. This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they'd seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. They kept the matter to themselves, discussing what rising from the dead meant. The first thing that strikes me as I read this passage is that only three of the disciples got to witness the transfiguration of Jesus. One wonders, why not all of the disciples? It was only Jesus' inner circle, Peter, James, and John, that got to see the real Jesus up there on the mountain, glorified. And I think it's a reminder to all of us that God doesn't treat us all the same. That sometimes God reveals certain things to some people that he doesn't reveal to others. Why is this? Well, we don't really know. Perhaps it's, 
has to do with how sincerely we're seeking after God, what we can handle, what God's sovereign purpose is. But this was something that just three of the twelve got to experience. And I think there is a sense in which our personal hunger for God does determine how much God reveals to us. I'm reminded of Jeremiah 29, 13, where we read God saying, you will seek me and find me when you seek for me with all of your heart. So the transfiguration of Jesus was something that just the inner circle, the three, experienced. As we look today at the transfiguration, we're going to firstly be asking ourselves, well, what happened? What happened? Then we'll ask the question, what's the significance of what happened in that order? And we'll be pulling on some of the other Gospels for more information about the transfiguration, because a number of the Gospels mention the transfiguration, and Peter also writes about the transfiguration in one of his letters. So what happened? Well, as I've said, it was the closest three disciples who went up on the mountain, They'd been praying together, and suddenly Jesus' face becomes radiant. It's like looking into a spotlight. They have to look away. This is not a vision that they see. This is something that really happened. Jesus was transfigured before them. And two other people show up, Moses and Elijah representing really the old covenant summarized by the, the law and the prophets. Moses representing the law, Elijah, the prophets. They show up and they're there with Jesus. And Jesus, as I've said, was metamorphosized before their eyes. His clothes became dazzling white. Matthew 17 tells us that his, he was transfigured and his face shone like the sun and that Moses and Elijah show up. Luke's gospel tells us what they were talking about. Someone at the 8 o'clock service told me they were having a planning meeting. But it says in verse 30, two men, Moses and Elijah, showed up. In glorious splendor, talking with Jesus, they spoke about his departure, which was about to bring fulfillment at Jerusalem. Previously, Jesus in hard times had been encouraged by angels. Remember after the 40 days of fasting in the, in the wilderness. Now, two men show up and they're encouraging Jesus and they're talking to him about his crucifixion, his death, what's going to happen in Jerusalem. I think they are helping him process what's about to happen. And there's also a voice that comes from heaven. This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. And there is this cloud that covers everybody. Cloud in the Bible represents the Shekinah glory of God. It was an Old Testament description of the manifest presence of God, where God's vis invisible presence would become present. It would look like a cloud, or that's the best way they had of describing it. This is the Shekinah glory of God. 
showing up and envelops them. So that's kind of what happened. Whenever we do a Bible study, it's useful to ask these two questions. What happened and what's the significance of what happened? So let's ask ourselves, why did this strange event happen? What was the, the purpose of Jesus being transfigured before their eyes? I believe we're being given, they're being given a sneak preview of the real Jesus. That's what's happening up here in the mountain. For a brief period, Peter, James, and John get to see Jesus as he really is. That's what's happening here. It's a preview of the kingdom of God breaking into this world. It's a glimpse of what is to come. We see this in the way this chapter is introduced. The chapter is introduced in verse 1 by Jesus saying these words, I tell you the truth, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God come with power. And the next verse says, after six days, and it's the lead into the transfiguration. We see the same in the context of Matthew's gospel. There's also the some of you who are standing here will not taste death, will not die before they see the kingdom of God coming in power. Matthew's chapter goes on after six days. The So there is this link between that statement Jesus makes and the transfiguration. I believe the transfiguration was the fulfillment of the some of you are going to see the kingdom coming in power. So here are five reasons for the transfiguration of Jesus, and that's the first one. The transfiguration was a sign of the kingdom of God coming with power. It was the glory of God breaking into this dull world. And I've shared those verses with you. The important question that I want to pose is how do you conceptualize Jesus? When you think of Jesus, when you pray to Jesus, when you call on his name, how do you, how do you picture who you're talking to? Do you think of Jesus as a baby? Because I think that's a very bad way to think about Jesus. In the Catholic tradition, people are taught to think of Jesus like this. When you think of Jesus, you think of a man being tortured on a cross, maybe even dead. Maybe you're more with it and you've seen those lovely films about Jesus. So you picture a nice friendly guy with a beard, about 30, sitting on the edge of a boat telling stories. But friends, this is how we should think of Jesus, because this is the real Jesus. This is the Jesus with the veil stripped away. Jesus has a face like a searchlight shining in your eyes. He has a voice that sounds like a, a massive river. 
Jesus is glorious. It got me thinking, and this thought just occurred to me in the middle of the sermon earlier. When, when we celebrate a person's life who's passed on and we want to think about that person, we don't take a photograph of them in the ICU with pipes coming out of every orifice, looking terrible, bags hanging under the bed. That's not the way we, we remember the person or think of them. That, that, that's an undignified picture of that individual. Yet why do we think of Jesus as, as a baby in a nappy going, ah. That's how the, the world likes to think of Jesus. Keep him there. Vulnerable, weak. The real Jesus was revealed on that mountain. It's the same Jesus that John again sees in the book of Revelation. As in his vision, he describes who he sees in the book of Revelation. And it's a glorious Jesus dressed in a robe with a golden sash. His feet are like bronze. His voice is like the sound of waters. And his face is like the sun shining in its brilliance. And he says, I fell at his feet as though dead. That's how, how John, Jesus' closest friend in this world, that's how John responds when he sees Jesus in his true glory. And this is the Jesus we worship. This is the Jesus whose name people take in vain. This is the Jesus in his glory, not in his humble, humiliated state. So the first reason for the transfiguration of Jesus is to give us a preview of the powers to come. Second reason is this was an honoring of Jesus. He'd done really well. For 33 years, he'd honored the Father. He'd talked the walk and walked the talk. And now Jesus is being honored by the Father. And so the Father speaks out loud from the, the cloud, from the Shekinah presence of God. This is my Son, whom I love. Listen to Him. This is Jesus being honored. Peter brings this out much more clearly in his letter where he writes, thinking back, he says, we didn't follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ to the earth. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received honor and glory from God when the voice came to him from the majestic glory. That's the Shekinah glory saying, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. So Peter tells us this was God honoring his son. Listen to him. Thirdly, it is a, a declaration of love and an affirmation from the Father. 
Hence the words spoken, this is my son whom I love. Jesus must have loved hearing those words. Very similar to Jesus' baptism, is it not? At the start of Jesus' ministry, just as he's getting going, the Father speaks over Jesus, this you are my son, with you I'm well pleased. And now here, towards the end of his ministry, once again the Father says the same thing. This is God the Father encouraging Jesus for what lies ahead, which was going to be truly horrific. His identity is being affirmed. Remember the devil's temptation, if you are the son of God, uh, Jesus, I have my doubts about you. Here's the father saying, this is my son. Fourth reason for the transfiguration is to strengthen the faith of Jesus and the disciples. There appeared before them Elijah and Moses who were talking with Jesus. Luke tells us what they were talking about. They spoke about his departure, which was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. So here we see the topic of conversation with these two spiritual giants, Moses and Elijah. They're talking about Jesus' departure. The Greek word is exodus. It can refer to his death or his ascension, but they, they're talking with him about his departure. Talking of his death was something Jesus had tried to do with his disciples a few days earlier. But they weren't interested. They were only interested in the victorious and triumphant Jesus. But here Jesus could talk to some people who understood the big picture. Who could appreciate what Jesus was about to go through. When, Peter, when Jesus had tried to talk to Peter about his death and crucifixion, Peter had said, never, Lord. I'm going to stand in the way. That's never going to happen to you. Jesus had nobody to talk to about his death. Moses and Elijah show up, and they have the conversation. There is this heavenly encounter where Jesus is able to talk about his death to people that could grasp it. And then there's this crazy response by Peter. By Peter. Rabbi, this is so good. Let me put up a couple of tents. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, and we can keep this whole thing going forever. little bit how we like to get mountaintop experiences to last. But we've got to go down the mountain and face reality. So that was not a wise thing that Peter said. And we're told he only said it because he didn't know what else to say. Poor man. 
Then there's this very interesting verse, verse 9 of Mark 9. Then Jesus gave them orders not to tell what they'd seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. And so they kept the matter to themselves, discussing what rising from the dead meant. Two things worth noticing here. Firstly, the disciples have got no idea that Jesus is going to die and rise again, even though Jesus has explained it to them. What do you mean rising from the dead? What, what's that all about? They have to have a big discussion. They're clueless. But what about this thing of uh, not telling? If you've been tracking with us through the Mark series, you will know that this thing comes up quite a lot. Jesus heals a person and says, don't tell anybody what I've done for you. Here, the, after the transfiguration, don't mention this until I've risen from the dead. So it is okay for us to talk about it now. It, in, in scholarship, we refer to this as the messianic secret. This idea of Jesus always saying, don't tell. You would think, doesn't he want to get the word out? No, he didn't. It's because people had such weird and wonderful ideas about what the Messiah would do and who the Messiah would be. That's perhaps why Jesus was comfortable to reveal to a Samaritan, the Samaritan woman, that he was the Messiah. But he wasn't so forthcoming when he was with the Jewish people because they had all sorts of funny ideas of the Messiah and political liberation, etc., etc. And so Jesus wants to break the news of what he's doing in his time and in his way and didn't want people blurting out and starting stories and projecting their idea of the Messiah onto him. Hence the reason, don't tell anybody. The reason we've preached first today is, A, it's always nice to do things a little differently, <laughs> But much more importantly, because this sermon is intended to be a good lead into worship. A lead into worship. Friends, we're not just singing happy songs about a, a friendly guy that walked the earth doing good to people. Some, in summary then of my message today, some Christians do experience more revelation than others, and it often has to do with our hunger for God. Why did Peter, James, and John see the true Jesus? Was it that they loved him more than the others were, were seeking harder after God? Secondly, Jesus became radiant, and his true nature and identity was seen. We got a glimpse of the real Jesus. Jesus had prayed about this in John 17, where he says, Father, I want my disciples to see my, my glory. Glorify me in your presence with the glory I had before the world began. Later in the prayer, verse 24 of John 17, I want those you've given me to see my glory. What glory? The glory you, you gave me long ago. This is the true Jesus, the glorified Jesus, the Jesus who is worthy of our worship and our devotion. 
The transfiguration was an honoring of Jesus. It was a time to be encouraged and affirmed by the Father, particularly with the crucifixion in mind. And for both Jesus and some of the disciples to be strengthened for what they were about to face. So let's stand up together as we, as we worship the Lord. As the band comes up, I'm going to lead us in prayer. Thank you, Lord, for this mysterious account of your glory being revealed and this meeting with Elijah and Moses who were alive and well and brought in to cheer you on. Lord, help us to think of you and to, to speak of you and to to worship you in a way that is in keeping with who you really are, Lord. Not a baby in a manger. Not a friendly dude on a boat. Not a corpse on a cross. Help us to see you as the, the sovereign Lord with a radiant face, majestic, glorious, to the extent that when your best friend saw you, he fainted. God, restore to us a sense of reverent awe and help us to worship you as you deserve. Strengthen us and stir our hearts in this holy act of worship, we pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We, we glorify you. We honor you. We praise you.